This week's show is brought to you by Miracle Made. Alright, now you guys, Brad and Alex, you know I like a lot of things, but I'm going to reveal a little bit about myself here. I really like sleeping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm like, it's, oh, yeah. A, it's in my top three. Of it's a great I thing enjoy. to do. Wait, hang on. Eating, sleeping, and? Sleeping. Again. Okay. It's, All right. it's it's mostly sleeping, then eating, then sleeping Got again. Got it, yes. Got sleep, it. get up, eat, then you get back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. If I could eat while I'm sleeping, I would probably do that, too. Sleep, eat, sleep, repeat. Got it. Yes. And luckily for me, Miracle Made has sheets just for me. Because did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? And I'll tell you what I don't like, sleeping on a damn toilet seat. I would rather sleep in some nice sheets. I don't know, man. Have you tried it? Unfortunately, yes. And it's not my style. I won't ask you to elaborate. (laughs) Inspired by those punks at NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It has self-cooling properties. The sheets that are infused with this silver prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets, and no more gross odors. Only the best odors in my sheets. You can go to trymiracle.com slash nextlander to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo nextlander at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to miracle.com slash nextlander and use the code nextlander to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash nextlander to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Next Lander podcast. I'm Vinny Caravella, joined by Brad Shoemaker. Here to podcast, I've heard a lot about them, and I'm very excited to see what this whole thing's about. They are the future. Now, a lot of people don't think that this is going to be a thing. People talk about podcasts. People talk about streaming. People talk about meta. Uh, but Alex Navarro, you're here to uh, uh, to enter this brave new world. I'm not here to podcast. I'm here to save our marriage. Okay, okay. Um, I thought we were here to talk things out, to sort of work out, you know, the problems we were having in our marriage. No, no, I was here to uh, uh, divvy everything up and get the hell out of here. Oh, uh, shit. Who's getting the house? Uh, I, you can take the house. I get the drums. I get half of the drums. Okay, but which half? The good half. Shit. <laughs> I would see, if I were to pick the drums, I would pick, I want the kick in the snare. Actually, no, no, I've been a lawyer. Don't write that down. I want the symbols because they probably cost the most, right? I, yeah, it depends on the drums. Because I'm just going to flip it all, baby. I'm just going to, I'm just, 
I don't love the drums. I want you to. I want you to. Uh, what is it? Uh, King Solomon. I split the baby in half. Okay. Here's 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 my compromise. You get the bass drum. You get one floor tom, Ugh. and you get you get my mini china. That's it. I don't man. I'm, I'm taking your Transformers collection just so I can sell it. Ah, he doesn't love it. Just so you can't it. have it. He doesn't love it like I do. All right, uh, just give me just give me the Destructicons. I don't have any. Really? I don't. Why does that surprise me? Wait, you can't. Can you form Devastator? No, not. I cannot. Um, why does that surprise? That's surprising because they're awesome. They're great, but they're also extremely expensive. Imagine paying. There are six Destructicons, and at like $200 a piece, things add up pretty quickly, let's say. You can, uh, you can keep the Transformers. I just want that monitor. I want that CRT behind your head that MODOK is sitting on. <laughs> Not MODOK, though? Uh, you know what? I can take or leave a MODOK. You're going to have to fight MODOK. I'm leaving uh, you for MODOK. Oh, I don't know what a MODOK would sound like. Otherwise, I would have done a MODOK Well, voice according there. to television, it sounds like Patton Oswalt. Okay, great. Uh, well, Modoc, uh, get the hell out of my basement. I never loved you. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. I have, I have that mo that Modoc reminds me. It's one of the things that <laughs> like reminds me of Ryan in a weird way. So like, I uh, not like, in a weird way. That dude loved Modoc. <laughs> that guy loved Modoc. He, he really loved Modoc. <laughs> so I like having Modoc around. I mean, who wouldn't? Look at this. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's a Modoc great character design. Always has been. Look at the, yeah. the name alone is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, what does it stand for, Brad? Uh, apparently, the M can mean three different things. Mm. I don't know. Maybe that's across different versions, different comic books, different comic series. A mental, mobile, or mechanized organism designed only for killing. There you go. Mm -hmm. There you go. And what's what's the team he runs? Genius. Like Ace, Ace Team? What is his, like, uh, he's, like, part of some... Organization. Uh, I can't remember what it is. AIM? AIM. Okay, is it that AIM? AIM? Advanced Idea Mechanics. <laughs> this is Achoo. Uh, mm -hmm. Yes. Wait, yeah. wait. Was Modoc originally like a, just a dude? I'm pretty sure he was just a dude. George Tarleton? Once a man. And then he I, somehow super geniused his brain, which led to him becoming the form that he became. I mean, I guess, I guess the organism designed only for killing could have been something else previously. Yeah. Yes. Designed okay. only for loving. Well, it was designed, again, like, it didn't start that way. He designed himself to become that way. Did he design himself, or did somebody else design it for him? Hang, hang on, are, well, I've always been confused by the tiny arms and legs. Are those robotic? Like, is he actually, is is the dude just a head? Like, is that all, is that all that's left of George Charlton? It has head? been so long since I actually delved into the real origin stories of MODOK, but I'm pretty sure those are just his arms and legs, and his brain took over most of his body. I could be wrong about that, though. Listen, if, if there's one thing I am confident in saying, it's that none of us are thinking enough about MODOK. You're right. Ima imagine having one of the best designs for a character, which is just the giant head with arms and legs, and then having to deal with people being like, now hold on a second. Mm-hmm. How does the internal structure of Modoc really work? How did we work? get here? Let me see an X-ray of Modoc. I want to know. It's like um, what was it? The uh, it's, like, it's like RoboCop or Darth Vader, though. You want to know how much human is left in there, right? Yeah, none, none, none. Who who put like, up the? Uh, it's uh, the two ones that I remember. The uh, shy guy, right? Like what a mm -hmm. shy guy looks like as an X-ray is r r deeply disturbing. And there was the fall guys, right? Didn't they put up something that was horrible? Oh, like, I don't need to see what, that. What a fall guy might look like on the inside. I just assume they're all jelly. Like, it's just like you like one of those like little jelly candies you get. It's all like yes. just strawberry in there. 
there's there is no internal consistency. Uh, Fall guy X ray. Yeah, Bruno, no, it's Bruno, terrible. Don't Bruno Diaz, who who works for did some work for Jab Bomb at one point, who wrote some freelance articles, has a tweet about Pokemon being that. Like the Pokemon have no internal skeleton or, or organs. How just could they? In there. It's they just, just no. It's just a diffuse, you know, meat slurry. Nice. I'm I, looking for the shy guy X-ray. I mean, they have to be able to shrink down into that Pokeball. So it's true. It's true. Bones would be a problem in that case. It's just. It's just. I mean, they have to. They have to morph, right? It's just. It's just a bunch of meaty evolutionary protoplasm in there. Mm-hmm. Look up the Fall Guy X-ray. That's I can't, uh, I can't. I can't doing this. Let's give you some nightmares. Okay, I'm looking it up. I'll do. Yeah, it for go you. ahead. It's good. It was fun. I remember when it came out. Um, oh was, God, <laughs> it was a uh, it was a fun thing. Oh no, I don't like that one bit. It's great. It's like uh, a bird skeleton. Yep, it's pretty good. It's pretty but good. Then the, what is going on with the eyes? Nothing. Just nature is. Uh, I was in the. Uh, no, I, no, 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 no. Nature would never create this. Uh, I just want to caution you. If you just Google Fall Guy X-Ray, you get a lot of other stuff. Oh, oh, please. Oh, gosh. Turn safe search on. Actually, uh, I, I didn't get a lot of other stuff. I, I got I, several I, different anatomical models of a Fall Guy. I, I'm, I'm going to make a confession here. Sometimes when I say Google, I actually mean Bing. Oh, what? Man, oh, man. Oh, no. The dark secrets come this out. This is the Depend darkest on. thing that has ever been said on this podcast. Oh, what are man. you doing? Depends on which browser I'm in. I thought you were just, I thought you were going to say, like, I duck, duck, go it or something like that but bing man Look, i never i never bothered to change the edge defaults okay <laughs> why would you why would you use edge to begin with i mean i'm uh, getting all those microsoft reward points why not that's right Ugh. he lives on the edge the uh i, I was in, in the in, 20, uh, in 2026 i'll be able to uh, buy three months of of game pass ultimate fantastic is it was it on sale again i thought i saw another thing where it was like on sale for a dollar again uh like the Game Pass it, starter pack oh, or something. Is it ever not? Uh, never not on sale. Like if it's your entry, they're just kind of always giving that thing away, right? Yeah, I, I don't know if that's true or not, but like I, I think it some, might just be for new accounts. But I could I, be wrong. I went to go. Okay, I have two confessions to make. One, mm -hmm. one. Um, I went You're to a go play. Ghost man, <laughs> that's right. I'm a web crawler. I just mm -hmm. go. I know no bounds. Uh, I installed. I went to go play. Um, flight sim um yes. you know and uh i was Very like a good oh, video game yeah but i was like it wasn't installed anymore and now i don't know something must have happened on the back end but it wants to make a default folder called xbox games now is you know how microsoft was putting everything in their weird protected folder yes um and now it wants to default to x slash xbox games and i don't know if that's only for games that are both on the pc and available on the xbox or what anyway i had to do that whole like four hour install of flight sim which is Ugh. The other thing is I may or may not have bought a flight yoke. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, like a real one? I, not for like a real plane. Like, no, uh, no, that no, wouldn't no, no. work. Don't, don't talk to me like I'm sort of a crazy person saying that. There, there are crazy <laughs> oh. people out there yeah, who so have gone I, and built their own flight setup using technology <laughs> taken from old planes. I have oh, seen dude. this. Yes. Yeah. You can easily Google up pictures of people's entire garages that have been converted yes. into the cockpit yes. of the 737. I'm not saying right. you would do this. I'm just, no. I have to ask. No, the game, the gamer version, uh, okay. uh, flight yoke, uh, finally, finally did it said no to the racing wheel. Yes. To the flight yoke. Uh, and, uh, flew a little plane yesterday after four hours of downloading flight sim again. 
Uh, so I look forward to slowly building my cockpit in the in the basement. Uh, cheers, cheers, flight sim. Okay, but what's, um, what's next on the agenda? Are you looking for like spare control surfaces? I I just need like um like, three or four you know sixty inch TVs to surround can, myself with. And can you get spare parts from old airplanes? Sure, you get spare. You pay. You have enough money. You pay anything. You can get spare mm. parts. Anything. You can get spare human parts. I bet if you mm. really wanted to. Uh, I I Logitech makes a bunch of stuff. I don't know the quality for it, but they make a bunch of displays and dials and radio things. And uh, for a while there, for a, like a good two years there, they were just all sold out, and stuff just started coming back into stock. Or at least when I noticed it, it started coming back into stock. Uh, maybe had been there for a while. Anyway, a little flight sim. We'll check in on the flight sim. I still still really, really enjoy it. I think that game is fantastic. Um, And I figured, you know what? Of the wheels, this is going to be my racing wheel. This is it. I can only choose one. I've only got room in here for one. Say no no to the wheel, yes to the yoke. That's right. That's Mm -hmm. right. Uh, Are you you a real-time flyer? Like, like, uh, like, like would I time you, compression it or no? Yeah. Like I, I, I don't, I will never play flight simulator, but I enjoy reading about people playing it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like some people, some people like, Oh, I, I will only fly in real time. Like I have to endure every real world moment of getting from place to place. And then other people are like, ah, you know, maybe I just <laughs> skip like three quarters of the Pacific ocean. So, um, I don't know if it has time compression, but you can skip legs of the flight. I do real time because I just fly from here to about an hour away on long island uh i do that flight back and forth i figured i you know there's and then i goof around i'll fly around Man, that sounds that does sound nice actually yeah but like i try to learn since it's got the real ish geometry and geography of the maps data to learn to do that that run right like mm-hmm. hey can i do this run without a map eventually and last night it was raining so it was uh it was pretty tough but i, I don't want to talk too much about flight sim just that uh i was using the uh hey if it's a video game you're playing we can talk about it here legally yeah it's true i am allowed the lawyers did say that but uh, uh the the flight yoke was a lot of fun so um i just gotta figure out where where to put stuff down here but the, the bigger thing was downloading from the from the xbox store i was confusing again always has been always will be yeah. for some reason it's never me. the ideal marketplace oh uh and a hundred and 30 gigs that downloaded over the course of four hours. I don't know why that takes so long on that thing. My internet connection is pretty good, but still, that was a long time. I have found Microsoft servers to be very hit or miss. There are days Mm -hmm. where it just, it flies and there are days where it feels like it to download a single, like couple of gigabyte file. It takes for fucking ever. It was, you know, listen, I can't really complain. It wasn't so long. It was ready within like four hours for 130 gigs actually isn't that bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably not that bad. I'm spoiled. Uh, hey, listen, you're listening to the Next Lander Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about games, including Inscription Casey's Mod, mm-hmm. Moss Book 2. Uh, we're going to touch in on Lost Judgment, the DLC for that, the uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, maybe a little Weird West, maybe a little touch on, on Tunic, wrap up. But first, we're going to get into a game called Norco. Yes. Just getting some buzz, would you say? I feel like that's like kind of had some hype around it, at least in certain circles. Yeah, I mean, it was a game that I became aware of because people I generally trust uh, with these sorts of uh, narrative games were all very much buzzing about it. And I was a like, buzz. okay, I'm going to try this thing out. And uh, I can say I it's not a super long game from what I've gathered. It is probably around six or seven hours uh, is the estimate I saw. 
I am probably about halfway through it, and I adore it. It's um, I'll give you the details here. It's on the PC. I believe it's on Game Pass. It's fifteen bucks uh, on on Steam. You can also buy it on Itch. Or on Itch, and uh, uh, came out um, late in the month of, of March, the twenty fourth. There, yeah, it's a couple weeks old. It is, um, yeah, it, it is a narrative text adventure with some inventory mechanic stuff yeah. and some puzzle a little mechanic. bit of point and clickiness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say it's it's kind of. I started to say half adventure game. That might be too much, but it's yeah. part adventure game, part narrative fiction. Yeah, I basically. I, I also really enjoy. I think the writing is maybe exceptional i would say yeah. uh it, it really i mean for a narrative for a game driven by its narrative it's doing a great job there but it also has kind of an amazing art style that i, I also really like so amazing those, art style and like amazing world building mm-hmm. it's got yeah. really yeah really really nice pixel art like it's not it's not exactly 90s vga adventure <laughs> game art but it's kind of in that vein it's it's inspired by if not directly trying to emulate uh, I, so I, I did not get very far into it at all. I'm still in like the first part of Act One. Okay. But, like, it seems are they going for kind of a magical realism sort of vibe? Definitely. Or am, like, or, or like am I, by or am I just not cyberpunk? Okay, okay. I wasn't sure if I just wasn't deep enough in yet to really grasp exactly what the tone was and what's going on, or if it actually is intentionally that, which sounds like yes. Yeah, it's uh, like so. The the setup is you were raised in this region of Louisiana. Uh, alongside your brother, by your mother, uh, who by the time you get back home has since passed away from cancer. And it is, you're kind of trying to uncover a mystery that has sort of surrounded uh, both her death and kind of what she was working on in relation to Shield Oil, which is sort of the big corporation that runs all the refineries around where you grew up. And most of the people you meet are just, you know, small town folk that are, you know, grew up kind of in this half poisonous but you know kind of some somewhat you know nostalgically remembered environment and also there is a lot of kind of like alternate historical but futuristic kind of technology around like there are robots there are you know like there's the notion of people uploading their consciousness onto hard drives before they die it is such a common practice that there are actually like low-grade scumbag vendors that do this um but also, you know, it's it's very Cajun-flavored kind of storytelling. Like, a lot of the characters, like, there's a person you go and they have an occult bookshop. You know, they have a lot of the sort of the, the, the voodoo kind of stuff in their bookshop. Uh, and, you know, everyone kind of speaks with a very kind of thick kind of Cajun cadence to them. And, but, but, like, not in a way that I feel like is overly showy. Like, it feels natural. I, we should mention it is there's no voice acting it's just kind of mm-hmm. uh, you know written out it's the writing to, yeah 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 uh and it, it's it's very um i'd say it straddles like a it's not really noir maybe more gothic it's it, it's got a uh, they specifically call it southern gothic okay yeah it's it's got a it's got a dark kind of menace to it yes but, uh uh it's it's writerly i would say it is uh it is the writing is is well done and fairly dense, you know, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's dense without being overbearing. Like yeah, it's not, it's, it's not, not pretentious. Like, no, it's not pretentious. And also like, it isn't constantly thick with words. Like every, yeah. every line kind of is pretty punchy. And it feels like the longer conversations still move. 
Yeah. I don't know. I find some parts of the intro are maybe a little flowery for my taste. Yeah. But not, not too bad. Like they just kind of just barely don't go over the line with it. <laughs> yes. I think they're walking there. They're walking close to a line and I've got, I've got a pretty sensitive meter on that stuff and it, I've enjoyed it so far. It, it hasn't, hasn't spilled out too far into it. Um, there are two quick things like at the beginning of the game that piqued my interest. First of all, like there's a lot of kind of, uh, multiple choice it's like you're not making just at least not that i've you're not seen creating you're not a character sheet but i know what you're talking you're not, about you're not making decisions like where you're faced with another character and you have to decide what to do to them or something it's mm. more like you're def- yeah like you said you're like defining what your character thinks and what your character's background was yeah like you and know what were the circumstances around you leaving what was your relationship to your family that kind of stuff and well so the the one that i'm really curious about if in case you guys chose differently was there's a part in the intro i'm trying to remember what your character is doing it's something like the, the, the narration is something like you take shelter inside the fuselage of an old airplane and you dot 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 and then it's like take a nap mm. pray mm. i forget what the other one is but like so i chose pray and I'm wondering, did you guys both pick that one by any chance? I chose like nap. I, okay, because like like immediately then when you return to your home, like there's a ton of religious iconography around. That and was like, there I know, for I know, me I know, I also. Yeah, so I know part of that is your mother's background. But I wonder I wonder if there are little things that tweak in the in the setting and the story and, and, and the stuff you encounter based on those choices you're making. It seems like it has more to do with how certain characters talk to you and what they remember about you when you come home than it does okay. anything involving the environment itself. Sure. Yeah, like uh, there was a there was a part that was um, you're looking at a poster and you were playing out a show and you say like there was a fight there, but I was outside was one of the options or mm-hmm. I got clocked in the head and I still have the scar and I picked that one. And then when I was talking to somebody else, they were like, man, you still have that scar, huh? And I was yes. like, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's, so that's neat. reactive. So here's the ultimate choice I have to ask you. And this is pretty early game, so I wouldn't call this a spoiler because it really doesn't have anything to do with the plot. Did you pet the cat? Did you pet the cat? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, you went I'd, all the way I'd, with the cat? Oh, I I'd, went all the way with the cat. I I ignored the cat. I looked at it once and read the read the description and then move on. Oh, I pet the cat. I pet the I, cat well, all five times is all I'll I, say. Yes. I, the, the, that's actually the other thing I was going to bring up. The, the reason I kind of ignored the cat is because of the other thing that was on the doorstep. Oh, oh no, not that cat. The cat that's oh, in, the, in cat. the bookstore. Oh, different cat. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's yeah, multiple okay. cats. There are, I think, at least a couple of dogs also floating I around. I see. Oh, okay. yes. Well, she, she remembers that I pet the cat. Okay. Yeah, there's, she's still <laughs> very cross about that. <laughs> okay. Well, that was the other thing that really piqued my interest in the short amount that I played was there's something outside the house that, like, it's that's where it starts feeling more like an adventure game. Yes. yes. Of there are there are things in the environment that look like they're just there to look at and read some some narration about, but then if you poke at them a little bit, there's more going on there. Yeah. So and sometimes get, they're objects you have to collect, but and, other times they're just things that you need to kind of just pr- right. poke and prod at. Like it, it starts to it starts to reveal some mystery about what's going on, and yeah, it's neat. So you, you do get an inventory, um, not right away, but eventually you do kind of get an inventory, and you can carry around some items. I have not seen too much in the way. I've I put about three hours in. I have not seen too much in the way of, you know, collect every can rope or you know whatever around it's pretty obvious i think i've only had three things in my inventory and i've used them almost immediately yeah uh, uh, they, once, they once d- like there's one item i have that i don't know if it will i will ever actually end up using it or if it's just a joke item but other than that like everything like you said it's like as soon as you pick it up it's like you pretty much know exactly where you need to go use it 
I, I, I've really enjoyed it so far. I, I, yeah. I am curious to see if there is any kind of deviation in the story by the end based on some of the choices you make. But they, most of the choices so far seem to be defining your character and, and yes. maybe less about like, I think there are some options you can take and how you want to solve a thing. I can think of maybe one example of trying to get into that convenience store of how you want to go about that. But I don't know what the other option would be in terms of, um, there's one thing like, Hey, you can go get some items or you can choose to fight. And I chose to get the items. So I, I don't know what the fight would entail. Uh, Oh, I fought a dude. You did. And did you yeah. end up getting inside anyway? Yes. Okay. So uh, I, I chose to get the items, and and so I was also inside the w- with that. So that's cool. The thing I really like is you can hold down a button and bring up all of the interactable prompts on the screen. I really enjoy when adventure games do that to not mm-hmm. have make you pixel hunt around the screen because there are it's like I said the the, the written text is is fun to read. Like yeah. the even the books they have don't overstay their welcome. They just give you like three passages, but they set the world up nicely. It's nice to get, they're relevant to, or at least the stuff I have seen has mostly been relevant to the world building. And even when they do just kind of like let stuff go for a while, like there's a, there's a shithead detective you meet in a bar (laughs) at one point and he fucking wants to talk. Yeah. But like, it's such a good character that like it's kind of enjoyable to watch him slither his way through that conversation and listen like see what he has to say even though he's a very like unctuous person like not a not a, not a pleasant dude but yeah. like there's enough going on there and I th- I feel like when they choose to stretch their legs like it works yeah and uh, th- it doesn't uh, seem to be any kind of death state or or penalty state for exploring a lot of those dialogue options though maybe some stuff does come off I- I have had one or two things seem to lock me out of a dialogue tree because I mm-hmm. chose one, so you couldn't go back and choose it again. And, you know, but that's... I that's that's kind that. of par for the course. Yeah. Uh, I realized why I felt like this game had some buzz around it. It won a Tribeca Award. Mm. And in fact, I clicked through a little more and realized apparently it's like the first games award that that festival has ever given out. Oh, wow. There's like a brand new award, so it's the first game to win. I can see it. Like it's yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm pretty it, captivated by it and I'm definitely going to finish it because I'm having it a def- good time. It definitely feels like sort of the video game version of a film that would do very well on the sort of indie indie totally. film festival circuit. Sure. Yes, absolutely. The, uh, the the characters are all so far pretty interesting. You do get you do get companions, which I think is also interesting. And you also have this I forget what they call it, the mind web or the uh, your 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 kind of um uh, red string on corkboard style things as you're piecing the mystery together, and it's pretty clear about when you should go in and explore that more. It's, yeah, it's a very clean one of those. It doesn't have like a ton of branches to it. It's you know, it, it is not that interactive. So I know that when I say this, but it, it it's giving me some Disco Elysium vibes uh, mm-hmm. in terms of kind of atmosphere, world building, the writing. It, but it is not a CRPG, and it is not like you're dumping points into no, stuff. No, the and, scale of it is something I would say that's closer to like a Kentucky Route Zero. Yes, you know, as far, but yes. like, but obviously, it's it's telling very much its own story in its own way. Like this, this is more of a point and click than that game was. Yeah, uh, I, I like I like it a lot. I, I think I will also finish it again. So fifteen bucks. Yeah, uh, or available on PC Game Pass. Uh, I, I'm playing. Uh, I am playing on the Steam Link, or that's where I was playing it. And it's fine there. Some of the some of the time puzzles are a little tough. 
Um, but there yeah, are the, a couple of timing based mini games that I think are maybe the one weak point this game has. Yeah, if they ha- if they wanted to bring this to a console, they would just need to map some of those to face buttons for inputs. Yeah, because uh, moving the mouse over quickly not ideal. With this, even with the Steam controller was was I failed a couple because of the time on it. Uh, but it's it's cool, and, and the puzzles are, don't you know they're they're not that hard, or at least not so far. Just a little timey. Uh, Norco. 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 Check it out. It is one of my favorite things I've played this year. Nice. A ringing endorsement for Norco. Uh, or at least go go check out some screens, too, if it, yeah. that doesn't sell you. Because I think the art style is very cool. Uh, all right. I say let's take a quick break and mm-hmm. let's come back and we'll get into a bunch more games, including our thoughts on Moss Book 2. And inscriptions, Casey's mod. Stick around, we'll be right back. This week's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Brad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. I bet you guys have subscriptions. I had a lot of subscriptions. I had too many subscriptions, and at a certain point, I had to drill down. I had to I had to focus. I had to make sure that I did not have so many subscriptions anymore. You had to take time out of your day. My busy schedule. Your time, which is worth more than anything, to find those subscriptions and cancel them. Brad Shoemaker, do you live a subscription lifestyle? I am just a walking monthly bill at this point. <laughs> it's the world we live in. If you need help, boy, guys, I got some, uh, I got some news for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. It says here that most people think they're spending $80 on their subscriptions, but in reality, the number is closer to 200 My God. What are we even doing? With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com nextlander. That's rocketmoney.com nextlander. Rocketmoney.com nextlander. Thanks, Rocket Money. And we're back, and let's go into what's new with Inscription, specifically Casey's Mod. Yeah, it's a bonus kind of roguelike mode. I guess it's yeah. roguelike. I mean, it has an ending. It's not an endless mode, but yeah, the Daniel Mullins, the developer of Inscription, started working on that like late last year, I think. Yeah, it was, it was in beta for a little yeah, bit, right? It was available in the beta branch of Inscription on Steam if you wanted to opt into it, but I waited until it finally finished, which it has. Mm-hmm. It's cool to go back to inscription. <laughs> yes, it I, were very warm I, feelings for that I, game. Yeah, I mean, I'm enjoying playing it again. Although I, it's made me realize I really enjoy playing that card game. Like it's fun. Like mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of depth there. He's added a ton of stuff: new cards, new sigils, new everything. You know, um, items. I'm looking. There's this giant list that Vinny linked here. Like all kinds of stuff can happen, but. Kind of, I am missing that sense of mystery 
the whole escape room aspect, the whole like, who the fuck is this dude who's trying to kill me <laughs> with cards? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. The like, mis- uncovering the uh, step by stepping your way through this weird, opaque mystery. Yeah. Like, you know, he, there is new writing in it. Mm-hmm. It mostly revolves around Casey, this employee of, I guess I won't get into it. There is some, there is some like fourth wall kind of breaking stuff that is said here and there, but like even a lot of the narration as you move from place to place, playing the card game is the same as it was in the base game. So it's like, it's a much more purely mechanical, uh, you know, gameplay driven version of inscription. I would say they, they it, it is in a in very inscription fashion set in the universe of inscription. So it has this, um, kind of separate launcher, you know, it goes off yeah, into it's a separate, separate mode, a separate mode. It is, some of the game seems aware of what, what is happening. It, it is very inscription. And, and so it's not, it's not just a coat of paint on Leshy's cabin. No, no, no. Yeah. So, so there is some of that stuff. And I think as you go through, so the setup for it is you can start a run. You have to meet a minimum, minimum requirement of challenge points that are basically, I don't know what the best way to say this is, but like halo skulls, yeah, they're halo skulls. <laughs> right? hundred percent. Uh, to, to kind of modify the game a bit, if you want to finish a run and unlock new stuff. So you can do a run without adding those modifiers, but there are entries that give you some flavor text and some, you know, inscription lore and you are doing a a run. I have not finished a run. I, I beat two, two bosses and then, you know, double middle fingers to the prospector again. Okay. So Uh, I, yeah. So I've only done one full run so far. I got to the end boss. Okay. But holy shit, man. Like I didn't have a, I had a couple of close calls before that getting there, but I didn't have a ton of trouble getting there. That thing fucking smoked me in two turns. Like just. Yeah. Brutal. brutal. That's the inscription way, right? Like sometimes you, you, you kind of put down, I mean, I, I had to definitely get some inscription legs back underneath me. So of, there is that, but that also makes me realize again, like if you think back to playing through the actual story version of inscription, how much yeah. it wants you to break that game. Yeah. Like, like it, it again makes you realize looking back, like they really want you to get to the later parts of that game and see the whole story. Yes. Because they just let you like totally break those mechanics wide open. And this, this is a much more straightforward, like, no, you're going to play this game the real way. We're not going to just give you, an infinite Ouroboros card that you can upgrade forever and do a thousand points of damage in one turn. Like, yeah, yeah. You're right. going to play this the right way and you're going to suffer. Yeah. So you're not, you're not building those unique cards after a run. Like you kind of are in Leshy's cabin in the, in the first one. Uh, and, uh, I th- according to the notes, it's actually been tweaked to make it a little harder. So, uh, you, you, you know, there are certain things that are taken out, uh, and certain things that are added to make it, <laughs> Maybe less tilt the scales a little less in your put a couple of more gold teeth on Leshy's side. It is. I found it to be um, initially when I started playing, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I love Inscription. This is so great to be back in here." And immediately also found it exhausting in that yes. same kind of stress, stressful, anxiety-inducing way of totally. Uh, okay, I beat this thing. I just want to stop. Like I just mm-hmm. want to. I just want a hard save here. That being said. For science, for academic research, you still can save scum your way through. Yeah, if you it's bail excellent. out. Yeah, it's funny. I assumed you could. Like I did that unapologetically playing <laughs> through the main game because I just wanted to see the story. And again, mm-hmm. like they bias the mechanics so much in your favor over time that I don't really care in that case because it is about seeing that story. Here, I resisted doing it for some reason. Like I yeah. actually told myself, like, "Oh, you should finish this the right way." 
You're going to be time. honorable about it. Uh, because it is a mechanics challenge at this point. It is not just a vehicle for the weird story yes. that it's trying to tell. It is actually, hey, beat all these card-based runs in order. And right. Yeah, so... How skilled are you at this at this card game? So yes, spending ninety minutes eking out. I guess yeah. it was ninety minutes. It was a while. You know, it takes a while to get to that last boss, and then just just getting completely obliterated in like two minutes was just really deflating. So is it three maps then the last boss? Yeah, and so okay. like they'll randomize. You know, it's in the base game. It's like prospector, angler, yeah, trapper. Right is the order. Yeah, that's right. So like they'll they randomize the order of those maps now, so the order you get the bosses in is random, and like yeah. there's acknowledgement of that. There is like in universe dialogue <laughs> acknowledging like wait a minute these maps are out of order. What's going <laughs> yes. on here? So like there is new story that they're building up to that's kind of exciting, but getting there seems like it's going to be a lot. I think if I'm going to continue that with this, I am definitely going to I, I will save scum and 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 reload of stuff. Yeah. I just it's really hard, like you said, when you do a run. And you fall flat on your face within the first couple of seconds of a new fight because you, you know, it, it, I'm no fault but my own, but maybe I didn't, I got a bad hand and that's not going to change if you save scum. What I found is one of the inner mechanics of save scumming is you usually are dealt the same hand again, um, depending on where you say you're picking up from. You just have to then figure out how the right sequence of cards to make it through that initial onslaught. Uh, but I, I did that game. That game is so above, like even just booting it back up, just the world and tone of that game is just so great. It just, yeah. it really reminded me of how amazing that whole world is, even in its limited kind of capacity of, of that mod of Casey's mod is just so good. I think, I think that's why I'm like missing that story stuff so much because it was just so incredible uncovering all that stuff for the first time. Yeah. That I desperately wish there was more of it, but he, he tweeted after this came out, he said, yeah, this pretty much concludes my work on inscription. Mm, I get it. It's probably how it should be. Honestly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't expect the one thing I actually really wish I could do with this is play it on the couch more easily. I'm trying to get that steam link. I'm, I'm talking more like on a tablet. Like, oh, I, I, okay, I, would, sure. I would love for there to be a tablet version of this, like for this, for this specifically, this like mechanics version, sure. like, I, like playing the, the story. Version. Yeah. <laughs> like playing through the story on my PC is, was the way to go on a big monitor and stuff like that. But yeah, like, like FTL is an example of a game that I played way more on the iPad than I did on a PC, for example. Yeah. So I would love for, for this mode to be on tablets as well, but I could see that and VR. Mm. I want I want full VR in that mode, and actually I don't know it might be terrifying if you could yeah, live behind as, you as, as lo-fi as that thing is. I wonder what that would even be like actually being inside <laughs> yeah. of that thing. You're right, maybe like that would super be super resolution everything. Yeah, see being super disorienting. I don't know. Uh, it's so cool. Th- I'm I'm gonna take at least a few more runs at it. I think and like see if I can make some progress. If I if I never get past run one, <laughs> I'll call it. There is um it, it is baked in like you said before it is if you have inscription it is just right in there it is not paid DLC or anything like that uh and available as of the time of this recording I think it actually came out last week or two weeks ago yeah uh, it's been out no early weeks. yeah about a, almost a month ago at this point um yeah I like I I like inscription a lot this is a fun thing to see in it uh I don't know how much more time I'm gonna spend trying to hone my card game in it you know it's just, mm-hmm. it's i'm kind of with it's you, not Brad, your but, next obsession i don't think so not for me okay um that is uh inscription casey's mod again out now 
Uh, another new game that I played recently, I uh, played it on a stream, is uh, uh, Moss Book 2. I <laughs> had forgotten or had left my mind or just wasn't there that there was another Moss coming out. I'm sure at some point I knew this, uh, but I don't know. It was a surprise to me and a nice surprise. Moss, one of my favorite PSVR games. Uh, if you have PlayStation VR and haven't tried Moss, I highly recommend it. I think it's fantastic. This seems to be a lot more of that. Not too different. It is obviously a PlayStation 4 game, as there is not really currently any VR on the PS5 natively. You can Not yet. You know, yeah, you can get your adapter and hook the whole thing up. I played it on the PS4. It was fine. It was, again, very Moss-like. The thing that I will say, if you are watch that stream or you're looking at it, I don't think the game represents well watching it. It's so much different in the VS in the VR headset. Yeah, the thing it, I remember at the original game was very much the idea that like it's so much about the perspective as you were kind of yeah. hovering over these little scenes where the mouse is running around doing its thing. Like it doesn't have that effect when you are watching it from a third person kind of like view. Yeah, you really lose all the scale and the diorama-like feel uh, yeah. of the whole thing, which is a shame if you're trying to get a sense for it. But if you have PlayStation VR on your PS4, then I highly recommend it. This is $30. I'm sorry, $40. Uh, I don't know how much Moss 1 is currently, but... Uh, 30 I want to say. Okay. It would be nice if they put a bundle together for 60 or 70 because those two games seem very similar. It would be nice if they just yeah. came together. Moss 1 currently 30 on Steam. I don't, I mean, my big thing with this is like, I, why is it PSVR only? For this know. one, for Moss Book 2? Two. 2 yeah. is currently only on PSVR, which like is, you know, I don't want to say a dead headset, but like, <laughs> you know, like you said, you can't make PS5 native games for the current PSVR headset. Like it's, but this didn't come out on Oculus or on Steam VR. Or any yeah. of the other PC platforms. Did the original Moss come out on those? Yes. Eventually. Yes. I don't think yeah, it was Moss. at launch, though. No, uh, it was later as well. Maybe this is some kind of timed exclusive or something. But again, it's because, specifically because, like, the PSVR is all but end of life at this yeah. point. It is. Yeah. But at the same time, I will say Moss, at least for me, is one of the few PSVR experiences that I actually remember. And I think it was remembered pretty fondly. So, I mean, I think there probably is still a market out there for people who, like, if they have that headset lying around, like, you know, maybe want to try something out. But also, those people probably need to have a PS4 still plugged in. I know there's an attachment you can put on the PS5, but I don't I know. Like, I mean, how many of those people who, who were playing PSVR three years ago have a PS5 at this point? I wonder if, I assume you can still get that adapter. I know, like, for a while, they were just, I think, sending it for free. I think they were, yeah. I wonder if they're still doing that, actually. Because if not, you just kind of can't use your PSVR on a PS5. And it's yeah. like, at that point, you can either wait around for the PS5 VR thing to come around and then put out your sequel, or you can just put out this game that you're probably pretty close to done with and just say, like, well, it works on the hardware you already have. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure this will be forward compatible on the PSVR 2, and I'm sure it will come to PC yeah. at, Jeez, at some point. So. It's just, a you know, launch window is pretty crucial and yes. for, for it to only be out on hardware that is kind of in the rearview mirror is a little concerning, but... You know, there's probably a development thing here. Also, we should mention, make clear, we realize there are are still a ton more PS4s than PS5s out there. And, Mm -hmm. you know, install base for PS4s. By a wide margin, yes. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I recognize that. But 
they had all the tech for Moss, <laughs> and it, w- it would be a real shame if they had to scrap all that to build a PS5 native, you know, Moss game without at least being able to get another Moss out the door. So I can see why they would just make this one before moving up to something else. I, I don't know. I we'll see what happens when the PSVR two comes out, but maybe we'll just see Moss Book One and Book Two together as a bundle for uh, a HD version, right? Or like, I would love to see these games brought up to the next generation of PlayStation VR in higher fidelity and, you know, with the, um, the tracking of the new headsets. And I, I mean, if you, if you told me that this is the caliber of stuff that was going to come up and look better, I might be way more inclined to get a more expensive PlayStation VR two headset Versus if it, if it is going to be comparable price with PC headsets, which is where I am as a consumer, right? Looking mm-hmm. at like what's the price of the index versus what's going to be the price of the PSVR two. So um, if they wind up being even near, you know, I probably would lean on the index, but I like Moss a lot. I'm not going to say it's a system seller on the that, but it's really good. Um, you know, for, v- for it, it, not even to qualify it as a VR game, but it just works really well there. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I would guess I have to assume that'll come to P- the PC headsets. I mean, yeah, unless you're Sony first party, like quite literally published by Sony, like you kind of can't afford to limit yourself as small as that overall market is, let alone in the install base of any one headset. Yeah, I, I haven't looked it up. I don't know if it's been even. It might have been announced already for other headsets. Uh, I, I haven't looked it up. Are people so, still putting out Vive games? Well, I mean, Steam VR is the platform. Like, that's, right. there is there is no distinction there. It's like okay. m- most, just about any PC headset supports okay. Steam VR. All right. Like, I don't think there's any that don't. I just feel like I haven't heard anyone specify anything around that hardware and that platform since probably that Half Life thing came out. Well, I mean, that's a weird market. I mean, you know, like the Vive was made by HTC, but in collaboration with Valve, but then right. Valve went and made the index on their own. So now they've kind of got their feet into <laughs> headsets. Right. Don't put, don't put your foot in a VR headset. That's no, gross. please don't. That's not good. Um, yeah. I, I still see people really say that the index is, is pretty great though. Is yeah. it the Rift 2? Uh, is it the, no, the, the Rift is pretty much done at this point. I think the Rift the S one? was the last. I mean, the Quest is kind of the Quest. main Oculus. Sorry, that's, yes. Quest 2 is still, I think, the kind of the current. I I don't keep up as with Oculus specifically, maybe as much as I should, that the Facebook layer I find a little <laughs> impenetrable. Yeah. Uh, especially as, as they've made more and more moves to require Facebook accounts and stuff to even use the hardware. Like, Please, the meta of, like, layer. Kind <laughs> of. I mean, quite literally... Uh, I think they actually, I just saw this the, a day or two ago. I want to say the actual branding is the meta quest now. I believe it is. Yes. Like, I think they have like literally worked meta into like the entire product line. Yes, here it is. Right and as we all support, know, it is greatly improved for it. Right, right here on the support page. What is meta quest two? Oh, you mean the Oculus quest? <laughs> In fact, the oh. YouTube video they embed on the support page still says introducing Oculus quest two. But well, apparently they are slowly phasing out even the oculus name moss book two playstation vr out now now. 40 bucks alex Mm -hmm. you finished the lost judgment dlc yes the kaito files uh the the dlc story campaign that has come out uh, alongside lost judgments that follows kaito uh yagami's uh dutiful assistant and former yakuza 
it is about eight hours long. And so it was actually very finishable, I found. Uh, and part of the reason for that, and the one thing I will say that I did not super love about it, is that uh, it has no side quests. Like, everything that happens in that story happens along the le- the route of the main quest. And while I don't think that a bunch of side stories would have been good for this, it probably would have been too much. Like, a little bit, you know, just something to kind of divert you a little bit, give you a reason to kind of, you know run to some of the other locations around Camarocho that, uh, you know, you don't really have a good reason to in this this campaign would have been nice. But the core story, despite being a little predictable, is pretty good. Like, it's a nice fleshing out of that character and some of his history. You figure out who the villain is pretty quick, but that's fine. That happens a lot in these games. Uh, I will say it does have a fun little post-script ending fight, that is one of the dumber things I've ever <laughs> dealt with in one of these video games. Let's just say that you fight a dude who you are not expecting to get into a big old fight with, and it's silly. Um, well, that's saying a lot. These games are pretty silly sometimes. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, without getting into spoilers, I will just say that you know, there's, you're trying to find out what happened to a woman from your past. Uh, okay. You're approached by a kid who is her son, who believes that she's still alive. And at one point, you meet a guy who is very desperately in love with this woman, and you, you, like, you end up fighting it out with this guy in a very silly fight. It is a very silly fight. It is not okay. quite like rip off your shirt in a sewer and fight with motorcycles level uh-huh. dumb, but it's pretty dumb. What is that from? That sounds very familiar. That's, that is Yakuza 0, I believe. <laughs> okay. You fight one of the main Yakuza <laughs> bad guys uh, in, in the sewers. And there are motorcycles involved, if I remember correctly, and it's pretty silly. Uh, thirty bucks, yeah, for for that. Or if you have the pass, it's just free as part of that whole thing. I don't know that I would say run out and buy that for thirty dollars. Like it's eight hours, it's pretty good, but maybe wait for it to be a little cheaper than that. Like I'm not sure that that on its own is worth thirty bucks. Okay, and if you're playing it, is it worth playing that before? Jumping into the main game? It absolutely does not matter. It is not connected okay. to the main story at all. Uh, you could just as easily assume it takes place between the the two games, let alone, or rather than after the second one. Like, it doesn't really have any of that. Okay. Uh, you also played a little more Kirby in the Forgotten Land? Yeah, I've been dabbling in it here and there. Just kind of, you know, checking in, playing a few worlds, and then kind of moving and not playing it again for some days. You, How's that holding up for you? Are you past the second area of the beach? Uh, I think I'm pretty well into the second area. Okay. I haven't gone back to it since that. Well, I mean, I did play a little more after that stream, but not. I haven't gone back to it after I played it after the stream is what I'm trying to say. But like, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't radically change. Like there are new mouthful mode things that crop up and, you know, there's like, you know, it it gets like a little bit harder as you go along, but not very much. Um, I I think it's fine. Like, I'm enjoying it. Like, it's a nice thing to check in on every now and again. But, like, it is not one of those games that, like, is giving me momentum to, like, I have to finish this. Mm. It's more of a, eh, I've got an idle hour. Let's do this. Uh, And then we streamed a little bit more of it. And, Brian, I think you played a little more Weird West. Yeah, not a ton more. Uh, I'm kind of torn because my main save is on the PS4 5. And we streamed it on the PC. And, boy, is that game easier to play on a mouse. Mm. like wildly so weirdly so oh um 
I haven't gotten, but like I said, because I started over on the PC, I haven't gotten too deep into the story, but I've been seeing, been watching what some people have been saying about it. Sounds like the way that game plays out is way more malleable than I expected. Like, like you know the bounty board that we hit in that stream? Yeah. Like, you pick up bounties, it's straight up just like, here are some tertiary quests that look like they might as well be randomly generated, you know? It's like, we, we have randomly generated these bandits for you to go hunt down and get money, but like... I saw people saying even those bandits, like a decision point can be like whether or not you tracked down a specific bandit on that bounty board and killed them or not can have like major ramifications on the story later, which seems nuts to me. Yeah, that that is like a, a level of detail I would not expect. Right. Like I would not have thought that those could even play into stuff. You know, I've, I've, I've seen people talking about like different quests they picked up and how they like subverted the quest goals mm. and found other ways to solve the quests in a way they considered more ethical, for example. <laughs> Huh. Um, stuff like that. Like, I just, it sounds like, the, like I, I saw it, I was reading a big Twitter thread this morning of people talking about their experiences. Like, somebody was saying they kicked, like, a poison barrel into a tornado and it turned into, like, a poison tornado. You know? Like, it's got I that mean, that's level just how of, it works. That's science. I mean, it's, I mean, it's got that level of systemic interactivity, you know? Sure. Of just, like, oh, these damage types mixed with these weather effects to produce this and... Yeah, like it, it It seems way deeper and more interesting than I think I even I was giving it credit for and I gave it some credit already. Uh, I really want to carve out some time and like pick a save and bear down on it and see where it goes because it seems kind of fascinating. Weird West available now. That is 40 bucks. Is yeah, also I'm finally going to dig into that this week. I keep yeah, you should to. you should check it out. I um, will. I, I, I don't know how you feel about mice, but <laughs> Maybe try it on the PC. I, I, the shooting is just so much easier to deal with. Like it can, it can really be kind of tough on mm-hmm. a controller to line the shots up. And yeah, those kinds of games, I generally do tend to prefer playing on the PC. Uh, that's that's my recommendation for sure. I think okay. it's on PC Game Pass, right? I think that's true. Yeah, so it is on console and PC Game Pass. It is forty dollars. Also, PS4, Xbox. Go get it. Weird West. Go get it. Go get it. Again, this is, there's never been a better time to buy the games that came out over the last several weeks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or buy that Lego Star Wars, I guess. Or strategically try to decide when to play Elden Ring based on when the bosses get nerfed and buffed and nerfed and buffed again. Oh, boy. Yeah, like, they, they, they buffed Radan back up, didn't yes, they? Yes, yes. Like, he took a major nerf on a couple of patches ago, and people were like, oh, well, I guess they just didn't want that fight to be that hard. And then they buffed him back up again this last patch, so it's like... <laughs> The real moving target, the kind of experience you're going to have with that game. That's kind of wild. I I need to get back to that as well. Uh, Any more thoughts on Tunic? I mean, not a ton. I've been very slowly chipping through it, chipping away at it in the background. Um, It might rely just a hair more than I would like on, like, routes and paths that are totally accessible to you if you just know they're there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I do, I do find it like the game is kind of taunting you because you generally discover those from the reverse direction. Yes. And then if you follow the path back toward the main overworld, you realize like, oh, there was a ladder to this later game area just sitting there the whole time in a place yes. that I just couldn't see it. And right. I could have, if I had known it was there, <laughs> I could have just climbed this ladder and gone over there, which is like really interesting from a design perspective because, you know, like subsequent playthroughs, you could do things in a very different order potentially. And stuff like that, because you know your way around at that point. But like, the perspective tricks are maybe a little thick. There are a lot. A lot relies on you not being able to rotate that camera, right. which is which is neat, but um, sometimes can be 
that's generally again my my feeling on that game is peak somewhere at three quarters of the way in and then kind of a little too much reliance on some of the mechanics you'd seen already by yeah. by about that point in so i, a I still really a little like a little goes a long way on that stuff mm-hmm. i think uh, yeah but yes yeah. I, i'm still i'm still enjoying it as i very slowly get through it but all right so that is well that is norco inscription casey's mod moss book two lost judgment the kaito files kirby and the forgotten land weird west and tunic if you tell me there aren't games out i'll call you a liar no they're out they're just they stopped that's Never. now they're all out but there's no more games after that there's glover right. yeah i mean they canceled in three and everything <laughs> there's glover uh well we'll get to that games. in just a minute here but uh i've said it once i'll say it again Never been a better time to play video games. Look at all these gems out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bunch of you're out there buying stuff. flight yokes so you can play old video games. Hell yeah, I am. It's not that old, but yes, yes. It's like a year-ish old, right? Yeah, yeah. Oof, ancient legacy. Mm-hmm. Wait for the HD version. Might as well have been 1978. Ah, oh, it's a great year. All right, we're going to take another break, and we'll be back with the news. Stick around. This week's show is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Alex Navarro, Brad Shoemaker. You're not going to walk out of the house naked, right? Not if I can help it. You're going to put your VPN on first. Yeah, of course. Of course. One leg at a time, like I always do. (laughs) ExpressVPN is the easiest way to browse safely, securely, and just better. I just use ExpressVPN. I was away on a trip. I've had ExpressVPN for a couple of years here. When I got on that hotel Wi-Fi, I slipped right into ExpressVPN. One click, very easy. Get in there, and then I was able to access the internet, let's say. What what are you doing on that vacation there? Hmm? I I had to access my GitHub account, Uh and I was doing some coding, and then I I used my ExpressVPN, and then VPNed into my home computer! Likely story. Uh Uh-huh. And then uh, I watched, uh, you know, I watched uh, some videos, uh, you know, and it's fast enough. That's what they all say. It's got great speeds. It was connected very easily. I was even able to stream in HD problemless on the hotel Wi-Fi. And they didn't know <laughs> they didn't know a damn thing. Says here you can connect to ExpressVPN and you won't even realize you have it on, which I can vouch for. It's pretty seamless. So right now, go to expressvpn.com slash nextlander and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash nextlander to get three extra months of ExpressVPN expressvpn.com slash nextlander thanks expressvpn and we are back and it is time for the news the news nothing changes in video game land except everything forget everything you know about video game coverage for instance like e3 forget about it (laughs) Just forget, forget about it. But not to like, that? forget about it. No, actually, forget no, about it. No, you know, it. forget about it. Forget about it. Forget about it. Forget about it. E3, we've, gosh, E3, <laughs> we've talked about you a lot over the last I, forever years. I think this so, really says it all. In some people may have forgotten that E3 was even, had not missed a year. Here, yes, Brad. 
Okay, this really says everything. In a statement entitled ESA Statement on E3 2022, Uh the first line is, E3 will return in 2023 (laughs) with Uh a reinvigorated showcase that celebrates new and exciting video games and industry innovation. I like... If you are beginning your statement about this year's show with some aspirational, optimistic, rally the troops, rah-rah shit about next year's show. Yeah. Nope. You're in deep shit. Will there be an E3 2023? Uh, Dollars to donuts? Absolutely not. I'm burying the lead here. They have canceled the digital E3 2022. Yes, Mm -hmm. there will be no even not in-person version of the event. after, After previously having said no physical E3 2022, I mean, what even is a digital E3? Like, the idea is nonsense on its face. It's Summer Games Fest, but with, you know, a less likable organizer. Right. I mean, like, yes, it's, you know, like Jeff Keighley, at least Jeff Keighley's whole thing at least has a reason for being like what the E3 label actually was on any of these live streams. Who can say it was an excuse for those companies to still give them money. Yeah. So that was the the other thing, too, is, you know, the premium access stuff on some of the E3 branding was come on. No. Come on, ESA. I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going on there. I well, I don't know what they're chasing. I'm not. I do. I do know what they're chasing. It is <laughs> chasing relevance. Yeah, chasing they're, relevance and revenue. But like, they are, they are chasing an existential threat to their whole organization. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I had always, I had always thought, or heard, or believed, been, believed, or been told that getting out of the staple center contract was a huge thing that they had locked in for decades or years. Um, I'm not, who's I'm not sure what the staples angle is. Like Microsoft had stuff there. It's the LACC is the main venue. Like that's sorry. Yes. The the convention center. Yeah. I think the staples, the staple stuff was like Microsoft's the Xbox stuff, but I think that was kind of off. Okay. What's the term off book? I mean, not, not part of official E3 or whatever. Sorry, I'm, but, I meant yeah. the convention center stuff. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think, yeah, I think you have to like, I think you have to, uh, finagle those commitments very it's far in advance. At least a year in advance, I think. Yeah. Well, to book them, absolutely. To get yeah. out of the contract though. I don't know what the, I don't know what the terms are there, but I mean, I think they had said a while back that the physical stuff was done for this year. Uh, so but this is, uh, yeah. the, this is the killing of the, the, the digital event again, whatever the fuck that is. But, like, that's the news here is that it's the first year without E3 anything, right? It is. Like, help me remember. Like, there was something in 2020, wasn't there? There was. It was a series of live streams. I don't remember exactly how organized it was because my mind is mush at this point. Right. I mean, like, the last two years have all run together so much that it's hard to run. Like, 2021, I remember. Like, there were live streams. There was a Microsoft showcase. Like, it was all virtual, but it was called e3 like there was a right. ubisoft e3 press conference basically. whether they should have called it that or not they did uh, i can't remember in 2020 though because you know that was only like two three months after the pandemic really got started um but they were already if i remember correctly they were already struggling oh yeah, yeah no, 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 COVID came yes, around. Is, like they that, were even waffling a little bit because there was the point where like keely was working with them and then he very publicly backed out and said you know this this relationship is not working right i mean yeah that was that was the year that yeah like i am a bit was doing a bunch of their event design stuff and they also yeah. pulled out like several months in advance like that that was always fated to happen the thing i'm trying to remember though was was there some 
shambling digital zombie corpse of E3 in 2020. I think so. So, so according to Wikipedia, no. Okay, Plan okay. to take place okay. from June 9th to June 11th, 2020 at the LA Convention Center. Canceled due to concerns regarding the COVID you know, pandemic. Public passes, passes were planned to be increased yeah, to 25,000. But I bet what we were okay. thinking of was was the Summer Games Fest stuff that well, happened so, that year. Yeah, like there's a bunch of stuff listed here, like alternative events, you know, because that was the summer they were showing the Series X and the PS5 for right. the first time for real. Um. I was the the really what I was trying to get to though was is this the first year without any kind of E three at all? But I, I guess not if there was none then. Um, cancel it in the wake. I'm trying to see if they canceled. It, ESA told me that they had determined they would not be able to host the digital E three event as a disruption caused by the pandemic made it difficult to assemble the event. Instead, the ESA would offer to manage individual partners' announcements via the E three website. That's 2020. So 2021 definitely had the, the digital one. Sounds like 2020. Uh, and, you know, please forgive us for not remembering. There was a lot going on. Um, the last two years have been something. And uh, um, Anyway, I mean, I know it's starting to sound like a broken record of just like, <laughs> is this really the end of E3 or not? But like yeah. probably this time. Yes, actually. Look, 2020 was the first wobble. We are now running out of steam. Like, they might do this reset thing once or twice more, depending on how motivated they are to try, but I don't think we're getting another thing from them. I just yeah. don't think it ever I, actually I, I, manifests. There could be another event entitled E3, but it'll be E3 in name only at that point. Like, I think there is there is zero chance of actually returning it to any kind of relevance. Honestly, at this point, they'd probably just sell the name to Reed Pop. <laughs> There's, um... Dude... <laughs> E3 just becoming a, a de facto PAX. I'm just saying that halfway, might be they're out. Halfway between the other PAXs is like the most pathetic exit or <laughs> final eventual fade for E3 that I could possibly imagine. There is no level of debasement low enough for this show. I, you know, I don't disagree at this point. <laughs> I, be, um, I bet they um, I bet they they have one or two more and then they put it they put kind of put it on hiatus or say they canceled it, and then it comes back in like ten years as like you know like a Woodstock style there, thing. There of like be, E3, yeah, like some, the, the thing though, the thing to remember about this, and like this is the thing that I feel like a lot of people miss as they decry the end of like video game Christmas, which is what that week was, right? For a lot of people watching yeah. it from home, is that like without the exhibitors showing up, there is no E3, right? Like, right. Like E3 is not something that just happens through magic. Like all these companies in some cases who are spending multiple millions of dollars to put on a show, like if they're out, there is no E3, right? Like, yeah. Well, or what, or like, what is it? Right. Like you can't just snap your fingers and say, Hey, we're doing it again. If nobody shows up. Right. And I, I, I still, I, to this day, I absolutely believe that E3 is simply not an entity that can exist in a yeah, non-corporeal form. It's, it's like pointless. it just can't. Oh yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. Yes. Digital. Yes. And I, I, I think that, you know, like I, I'm not trying to toot our own horn here, but like people really loved those E3 couch, you know, shows that we used to do the night shows and that show can't exist unless everyone is in the same right, place. Right. And like, even before the pandemic, I think we were talking more openly year by year about like, Hey, it's getting harder to find guests for this thing. Like the people we know are in town for less and less of the show every year. Mm -hmm. Like it's true. A bunch of people we know will like be there for the Tuesday and then fly out that night at this point. Yeah. Like, that's where I, it was even while we were still physically going to I it, think that know? last year, I had to struggle hard to get people onto Thursday night because almost everyone was gone by then. Yeah. So I think in the wake, in the in the vacuum, that we've seen people fill it, right? You've seen Summer Games Fest. You've seen a lot of publishers just 
quarterly doing streams, if not really doubling down in the summer to do some kind of presentation outside of E3. That has been the trend for the last four years, even even yeah. though, according to Wikipedia, attendance at 2000s, 2018's E3 was great. Right? But that's the, the thing. Physical, Remember, that's event. the period when they started Public. letting people buy yeah. tickets. Totally, and I get it. Um, I think what I think what people will miss, and what, what I've heard is kind of what you guys just echoed: the singular focus within one week. Of, yes. Hey, can we can we collate everything games related into a week so that no matter where you are, you're going to see something within this week instead of spreading it out. Or even oh, I, yeah, I totally three get it. Plus like, months out. I yeah, mean, no, I, I, I get it too. I, I, I get why people enjoy it. I mean, it's just this full f- salvo in the face of nonstop video. Like, <laughs> you don't even yeah. have time to get your head around the crazy thing that just got announced because another crazy thing is now getting announced. Like, it's constant. Yeah. And I get why people love that. But I think, again, I feel like some people miss that that was never the point of E3. That only happened <laughs> because there was an actual trade show on location mm. where people were showing up to do business together. And those stage shows and streams trickle down from that, right? Yeah. But those, all those shows, all those live shows back to back were not the reason E3 was happening. <laughs> and so without the actual reason for E3 to happen being there anymore, like that stuff just can't exist on its own. Or and, then, and then of course, everybody, once they're doing their own thing, wants all the spotlight for themselves. Yes. So of course they're going to, they're all going to start spreading things out and trying to carve out their own kind of time frames. And the thing I want to say, just, you know, I, I've seen people say this over the years as we have continued to mourn E3, even though it just won't quite die. Like, I'm not here to, like, dance on the grave of that thing. Like, I've been to plenty of E3s that I thoroughly enjoyed, even ones that I was working, and I there was a time when I think there was a genuine magic to that experience, you know, even if you were just a viewer from home watching all the stuff happening around the, the fringes of the show. But the last few years were not that. And they had not mm. been that for some time. Like the spirit was dying before, long before we got to, you know, COVID coming around and becoming the convenient excuse to actually put a bullet in this thing. Yeah, and I think like, it's been it's been longer than people realize. Also, because yeah, like I it was I a can, slow bleed. I can I can date this by when Breath of the Wild came out because I remember when we went and played Breath of the Wild at E3 and then sat down on the. F- the floor of E3 and recorded a podcast about it mm-hmm. and remarked in that podcast, like, hell, how weird is it that we're sitting in empty booth space on the floor of E3 and it's quiet enough that we can record a podcast like that should not happen at E3. There shouldn't be empty floor space at all, let alone like so few people and so, so little chaos in here that we can record into microphones safely. And yeah. that was, you know, that game came out in 2017. Like that tells you how long ago, like the writing has been on the wall for a very long time. The first day of that last E3 we all went to, which was a weekday, which is why there were fewer people that were there, like, it was haunting how fucking empty it was. Like, there there were halls that was just like, you walk to one side of that room, there is no one there that is not manning a booth. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, the major players started pulling out years and years ago, you know, like, Activision bailed, Sony bailed. EA. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, like... Yeah, he was at the forefront of getting the fuck out of this thing. And, like, you know, 10 years before that, like, the idea of ever giving up your E3 booth space, because it it carries over, you know? It's like, once you've got your space, you keep it until you give it up. Like, the idea of those companies giving that up was, like, just unthinkable, you know? And then all of a sudden, here they are, just like, nah, we're good. Activision was the only one that left and came back, right? Yeah, yeah, they had a weird relationship with the ESA in general. Uh, But but I think they did that. If you were to look at a... Let's just just play... 
you know, fun uh, alternate timeline mm-hmm. where the physical E3 still exists. That is basically a Microsoft and Ubisoft show almost at that point. Because Microsoft will have, if we'll get to this news later on, but let's just say if an Activision merger goes through, they will then have had Activision. They will have Bethesda, which was a big player at, at E3. Uh, Sony may not might not be there. Nintendo is kind of there, but almost almost nominally there. You know, they, yeah, they Nintendo they, always talked about how much they liked E3, or at least they did in the Reggie era. I don't sure Doug Bowser has ever been on record saying <laughs> what he thinks about E3, but like it was clear that even though they were maintaining the booth space, they were deprioritizing it to a certain degree. Yeah, they, I mean they had. They had kind of stopped doing their live shows uh, and, you know... They yeah, once, once the Nintendo Directs came around, like, they kind of, you know, like, the whole scale of that thing changed. So you'd kind of be stuck, you'd be left with Ubisoft, which mm-hmm. always seems to love a party, and Microsoft, which basically just owns everybody else at that point. So you're not going to have a... I don't think you would have a separate Bethesda or uh, Activision thing going probably on probably not anymore Pre- no. press conference you, you'd probably roll it all up and then like, it's like okay there's square enix there's the small sega booth and right and well even when we were there more and more you guys mentioned this i'll just reiterate more and more of that floor space was going to merchandise and and to uh, uh and like third-party hardware makers yeah and like energy drink companies and shit it was weird so so i think brad your point is 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 super uh spot on where if you eliminate the physical part what is mooring the digital Digital parts and the and the expensive rent a theater, do a stream, put on a live show. What moors Build that to LA in yeah. that in that time frame? Right. And really nothing. So yeah. um, I think you're you've been seeing that. You see that kind of spin out. And I think publishers much prefer to own the message and time frame for which they can show stuff and not have to compete against other bangers that are happening. Right? Like I think. The probably the biggest thing for E3 was new console cycle. That's mm-hmm. that's probably that's probably where E3 shined the best, right? When and when those console cycles overlapped, whether it's Nintendo, Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo, or in some cases, you know, uh, Sony, Microsoft, those were the E3s that really blew it out of the water. And I think Sony, even them pulling out, was like, "We're off cycle here. We don't have a lot of games to announce." There are going to be some really positive, I hope, knock-on effects of allowing developers to not have to crunch to get an E3 demo, you know, not have to put stuff together, and for developers to show their best hand when they're ready to show their best hand and not uh, kind of have to force it and get into that that weird game. That being I, said, I, I I do I do miss that week of focus, but it's just different, and it kind of has been for a while. Yeah, I, I do I do want that thing you said, but I also feel like the shift over time is probably going to be to something more like what Microsoft did with like those summer games demos mm-hmm. that they put out. Like people will pro- like developers probably still will have to put out vertical slices that people can check out in order to get their stuff noticed, especially at a smaller scale. But like if you can do that on a better timetable and not have to worry about sending people to EA to man a booth while, you know, your development is not being done during that week, that's probably still better. I'm guessing. And there's um, there's a there's a part that comes up and it's come up over the last I've heard more and more of it over the last three or four or five years of Nintendo or uh, Microsoft was doing a pretty good job with this. Sony was doing a, a relatively good job as well of stuffing in smaller games between the big AAA announcements and lifting up smaller studios at those presentations. So you know you're 
even if you had a small indie stream like games fast it's probably not going to get the same viewership as something that's showing a horizon or a last of us two and so people tuning in for last of us two when they get to see things like you know um uh far the lone shore tucked in there Mm-hmm. That that makes a really big impact, I think, for those studios where yes. those games showing on their own, we just wouldn't get the eyeballs on it. I mean, so, the thing that PAX doesn't have is that yeah. sort of like presentational thing that lets, you know, those games get in front of people's eyeballs outside of the show floor. Uh, you know, enter Jeff Keighley. Like, right. He's kind yeah, of no, he's more that, than happy to take up that mantle. Got that on lock. At this yeah, point. I mean, there's that. But also Sony, Sony's continuing to do their state of plays where they do that same mix it up thing, right? Like, hey, right. here's a big, here's Spider-Man and here are five smaller games that you should pay attention to. Yeah. And Microsoft micro- does their indie game yeah. stuff as well. Like, you know, Nintendo obviously has their directs. Like Square Enix has gotten into doing occasional online events and stuff so it's like it's they're 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 doing it yeah it's just you know it's part of me still feels it's such a rough space i think if you don't have the megaphone to rise above the noise there are so many games constantly releasing at all times of year now except now well well, they are they're releasing they're just maybe not the games that you're either aware of or games that are backed by bigger publishers but you Mm -hmm. know small games come out it's you know rising above that noise level a big platform like E3, if you are graciously tapped, you know, mm-hmm. by a platform holder, could really, uh, um, you know, no man sky you into the stratosphere, let's say, um, for for smaller games. But the news, E3 2022, don't look for it, but there's going to be plenty of, plenty of streams you can watch that are going to show you new stuff, I'm yeah. sure, throughout 2020. This summer, you will get to check out some video games. That much, I feel pretty confident that, about. That, you can check out some video games that will be coming in 2024, for, yeah. sure, for sure. Maybe one or two that will come in 2023. I am dying, dying to know what the holiday release calendar is going to look like for this year, because as far as I can tell, no one knows. Uh, no one knows. Stuff that is announced that has a firm date is pretty almost non-existent it's it's pretty small it's pretty small but there's a lot the tbd list is huge huge all right let's move on uh out of no e3 to this year we talked a little bit about uh activision and xbox microsoft and uh uh, yeah activision and microsoft and what that would look like in an alternate timeline well Let's get into some of the real timeline here. Alex, can you tell us a little bit of what has been going on in the Microsoft uh, slash Xbox Activision merger? Yeah, so we mused about this, I think, a little bit when this deal first kind of came to light and said at some point someone in the government is going to be like, I don't know about this. Well, in this case, four senators have come out and said, I don't know about this. Hmm. Uh, Those four senators are Cory Booker, uh, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and Sheldon Whitehouse. And they have basically said what we all kind of thought they were going to say. One, there's a lot, you know, as far from a business perspective that needs uh, greater scrutiny as far as this deal is concerned. And they speak very specifically about the state of uh, the employees at Activision Blizzard, their unionization efforts, uh, and basically concerned that like Bobby Kotick is one being rewarded too much for his involvement in this deal, and two that these workers are maybe not going to be well protected or well served by this sort of merger. Um, now the the quotes in here from the Activision spokes uh, spokeswoman about this. Uh, this is a compelling transaction for all stakeholders, holders, including employees, is one of the most nothing statements I've ever heard in my life. Uh, 
Um, Compelling but that's, to say. That's kind of what they have to say because they can't say anything to this. They're going to get investigated by the FTC here, so they have to kind of zip up and let their lawyers do the work, I guess. But so this is going to happen to some degree. Whether that scrutiny actually results in anything that derails or even delays this deal, I'm not particularly convinced because, as we have said on this podcast, the Federal Trade Commission at this point is not one that is known for stepping in and stopping mergers over the last couple of decades. But if ever there were one that warranted the most scrutiny, this feels like one of those. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've said it before, like biggest cash deal acquisition in American history. Like, obviously, that's going to attract some attention. I was kind of surprised at what Warren tweeted about it when this first happened. Mm-hmm. She says Activision has a history of unchecked workplace sexual misconduct and discrimination, which, of course, true. Yes. She says if the merger with Microsoft happens, conditions for workers could get worse. Like, I guess, I guess, like, broadly, I understand why she would say that, because, like, corporation being subsumed into even larger corporation generally has a pretty grim prognosis. Like, in this particular situation, though, mm. it's hard to imagine it getting worse than it has been already. <laughs> And well, like, like, or how it could get worse than, than what I'd like, I, you know, I've got, obviously I've never worked at Microsoft. Like I'm sure they've still got plenty of problems, but like generally the vibe you get about the culture at Microsoft is that it's a lot better than it used to be. Well, that's true. But at the same time, and I don't know, this is what Warren was referencing because this is really specific and came out of like pretty much pretty close to the time she put out this statement. But there was a story last week, I think about undead labs having some issues with sexism and, you know, uh, problems with like women not being able to kind of move forward in their careers at that company. Uh, there were reports of this and it was all stuff that kind of happened post Microsoft buyout. So it's, you know, like it's tempting to say that like there aren't, you know, nearly the scale of allegations at something like Microsoft compared to like, a you know, like an Activision blizzard, but you know, I don't necessarily get the impression that Microsoft is, you know, a haven necessarily. Like, it's not that that isn't a company that doesn't have its own problems as far as its internal studios and teams go. And in this case, I imagine what she's referencing more directly is just that a company of that size getting, you know, forward movements on, you know, the existing allegations or, you know, even just general improvements in the workplace becomes a lot more difficult when you're dealing with that many more layers of HR and, you know, bureaucratic red tape to kind of get stuff actually done. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you know, as often happens with Twitter, I am probably reading a lot into a short, a small number of characters. Totally. And uh, what she said, but, you know, and also like she could be referring to like the potential to dampen like nascent labor organizing efforts at Activision. I, yes. You know, like that, like that, that definitely she, she could see, you know, throwing a, a wet towel on some of the organizing that's going on as Microsoft comes in. That seemed to be a lot of the sentiment in the letter was um, this merger could shield Activision's accountability for yes. some of that stuff. And if, if maybe not reward some of the participants with financially in, in a, in a you know merger and an acquisition where shares and money is trading hands. But yeah, I, I think some of that might stem from that, that idea that, Hey, there are, Activision's feet are kind of being held to the fire a little bit here, and you you could, like you said, Brad, kind of dampen some of those things and shield them with this acquisition, which I wonder, is, do you guys think there's a world where Microsoft sees this and to to kind of avoid more scrutiny, 
walks back a little bit of what they said. Well, if Activision recognizes it, we'll recognize it and walks that back to say we are, you know, going to take a more active role in pursuing this. I don't think Microsoft shareholders will ever let someone from Microsoft say anything about mm. unionization efforts that is not extremely milquetoast and nonspecific. <laughs> hmm. I don't think we ever get anyone at Microsoft saying anything that is not just, we will not interfere. Because I don't think that they are in a position where they can, unless they're like, it, I just, I, it's just not the way these kinds of companies talk about this stuff. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, listen, I think the letter is interesting and uh, a really, the, the tone of the letter that was sent seemed to be, we want to keep the workers front and center in all of this and not yeah. have it, not have it, not have that stuff lose the spotlight as billions are talked about in terms of uh, changing hands in a merger. Yeah. Uh, because there is some heat on that stuff. I believe there will be hearings. I believe there will be, you know, Microsoft and Activision people probably testifying before some kind of committee. And then I have a feeling that this deal will still go through more or less how it was originally designed. That's my um, cynical view on it. I'm going to read the, the last bit of this letter because um, I think it's kind of interesting. It says the FTC should consider the history described above that go through all of this anti-competitive stuff um, in this gigantic merger and what it might produce and carefully determine the meaning of Microsoft's promise to, quote, not stand in the way of unionization efforts. If the FTC determines that the transaction is likely to enhance uh, monopoly, is this the type? I don't. I've never heard of monopsony, uh, monopsony power, and worsen the negotiating position between workers and the parties to this deal. We urge you to oppose it. Is that monopsony is, a real word? That, apparently, yes, it is. Apparently, that is a thing. What is? What does that actually a, mean? A market situation in which there is only one buyer. Oh, Mon- today I learned a monopsony. Anyway, I definitely never heard that word before. Uh, You're not alone. I like that sentiment, right? Yes. Hey, if this is going to worsen the negotiating uh, power, then we need to really look into this because you are going to, the people who are at risk here are the ones that are going to lose out. Uh, so the, who are those senators again? Uh, it's Sheldon Whitehouse, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and Cory Booker. And it is a letter of concern, not a, yes. a okay. I mean, it's a letter addressed to the head of the, the current right. FTC, and it is really on the FTC to ultimately move forward right. with this stuff. But, you know, they can definitely bring up you know, testifying and, and investigations and, you know, certainly the power is within their realm to stop this deal if they want to, but I don't know if the political will, will is there right. to make it happen. Right. This is not that. Yeah. This is, this is a, this is a worded letter to the yeah. desk of that is made public. Well, obviously, like we have said before, ongoing story, it is a huge transaction. Um, so I'm I'm sure this is not the last story we will have. Definitely not. I can almost assuredly say this is not the last story we'll have about this Activision Microsoft merger. Moving on. Do you guys like Tomb Raider? It's all right. Almost as much as I love making really accurate predictions. I didn't I didn't love that last one, but the one before it was very good. Well, there's probably never going to be another one. Yeah, I mean, I just said that like yeah. last week or the week. Yeah. Well, maybe not never, but I. <laughs> Like not in the foreseeable future the, is what I believe what we said. The reason I put this story in here is because like literally last week or the week before, I think at least one of us said, eh, Tomb Raider's probably on the back burner after after that last one. Um, but no, Crystal Dynamics has said they are entering development on the next one, on Unreal Engine 5. Which, 
makes perfect sense considering that first tech demo of Unreal Engine 5 they put out like was kind of a Tomb Raider-esque game and all but name almost. It was a little more magical than that, but So is this another um is this does this feel like another Unreal Engine 5 partnership in the eh, way that not I mean it's you know like I I think potentially the majority of games are going to be on UE5 very shortly. Okay. So I think this is just going to be like, yes, everybody's using it because it's setting the world on fire. I mean, the bigger deal here is just they are making another Tomb Raider. Like, it seems like <laughs> this, the, really regardless not, of the hardware or your software, it did not seem like a priority. Uh, uh, do, we, my, do we know much about judgment. it other than that? Well, yes, they've talked about it and they said they are looking to unify that kind of trilogy origin story they did over the last three games with mm-hmm. the original work that core did around tomb raider back in the day which like i don't even know how you reconcile those two things huh because th- this recent trilogy was extremely self-serious and i think especially in retrospect the original tomb raider games are campy as hell mm-hmm. so like i don't know what a new tomb raider that unifies those two visions even is so, so the crystal dynamics the more recent stuff was almost it was a reboot and a kind of prequel to the yeah, it was, it was original. A, yeah, it was an origin story. It was literally, so you could have some kind of bridge game. Yeah, they're just to totally, take, totally. Yes. They are so dissonant that I just don't know what that even is. I mean, like you know, like like think about original Tomb Raider. You know, it's like hot yes. pants and backflips and Tyrannosaurus right. Rexes and double pistols, like double just pistols, right? ridiculous shimming and so different than those recent games like anyway we'll see i'm I'm curious to see what that is uh i mean i'm with you i do think that second tomb raider game was really good and i think the first one had merit i did not really take to the third one like they, they, they say they say they are looking to build upon the breadth of both core designs and crystal dynamics games working to unify those timelines which again, I have no idea what that. So at some point in this game, you will earn, learn the origin of Lara's sense of humor. Sure. So, okay, I'll take aside any Unreal Engine or UE5 co-branding or whatever announcement stuff. The last thing in this says, with Tomb Raider's extensive history, this is not an easy task. We ask for patience as we go through the development process. We don't have plans for a major game announcement in the near future. What is this announcement? Is this a proof of life for Crystal Dynamics? Mm, like, if, if, if it's not like an unreal thing, hey, we want to get our name out there on as many games as possible. Because I don't, I don't know, think Unreal really needs that. So like, what... What is this announcement? I mean, this, you know, this could be, this can be in some cases like to mollify a fan community that feels like it's being strung along, although I don't know how strong of a, like, active fan base Tomb Raider has at the moment. Mm. Uh, This stuff also can be kind of a recruiting drive, you know? Like, sometimes you announce these projects this early as a way of, like, saying, hey, we're doing this. Like, we need talent. Like, we Mm. want, we want working game developers to be aware of this. You know, like, they, like, they did that with those Star Wars games that Respawn has done in the past where they right. announced those things mega early before they even had like a name or anything to show because they were trying to build up a team, you know, where they're trying to get more people on board. I guess if, so, if Crystal Dynamics says, hey, we're hiring, it's, <laughs> that story breaks anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that right. could play a part. And, you know, they're, they're working on Perfect Dark, right? Like that studio is also working on Perfect Dark, so maybe they need to staff up more to also handle a new Tomb Raider game at the same time. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We've talked about the Perfect Dark stuff uh, a couple of weeks ago, so 
I, I we'll see how that all goes yeah. as well. Um, all right. Moving on from reboots or bridge, let's say bridging an old series and a new series together. Crystal Dynamics isn't the only one with a challenging road ahead of them. Monkey Island. Wait, what are you trying? My God, to, are you trying to say about Monkey Island? Well, so this this Ron Gilbert is coming out saying that a new Monkey Island game is in the works, but. The thing that caught my eye was this is not continuing the story of Monkey Island from where it left off. This is continuing the story from Monkey Island 2. So is, is that definitely confirmed? This is what I see reported everywhere that the... Okay, because like I tried to... like The website has basically no text about the game. The trailer is pretty sparse. Like I have not seen exactly... So there's a reference to... I think, Brad, you even linked it in the notes. The, the like Ron Gilbert's 10 year old document saying I would never do I would never continue off from where Monkey Island went I would always continue off from Monkey Island 2 right well, yeah and yeah, so, like, yeah so like but I'll, then the reporting I've seen says that same stuff but I have not seen an exact quote recently uh, but I would believe it yeah I mean the big deal here is Ron Gilbert is making another Monkey Island right like that's like okay who played Monkey Island here I did not I have played a Monkey Island but I was not a big Monkey Island fan growing uh, up I played all of them, like, uh, like, and like I, in, they're not my favorites, but they're very good. In the era, like back in the day, I in the era, whew, I probably only played one back in the day. Okay, see, that's the thing I'm curious about. Is like I get I get the sense for so I, again I I haven't played those old games at all, let alone when they came out. Like I get the sense that for some people, like those Monkey Island games are about as formative as it gets. Very for, much for, so for yes. video games, because like you know some people were kind of losing their minds over this in a way that was pretty fun like it seems like a huge ass deal for a lot of people it is uh, i mean yeah like i mean everyone had i think anyone who grew up playing computer games probably has their adventure game that they started out with right and i think for a lot of people that was monkey island yeah like ron gilbert's just kind of been doing it this whole time you know like he's kind of veered into different genres here and there you know he made yeah, the he just kind of does stuff when he feels like, like it he, at this he, point he made he made well you know he's been pretty steadily putting games out you know he made the cave ages ago, which was like I remember the kind, cave. kind of an adventure game, but kind of a puzzle platformer. He did Thimbleweed Park, which was like full on classic verb based mm-hmm. adventure game, and pretty well regarded, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, I think people like that game quite a bit. But I think he's done some other stuff here and there. But you know, him coming back to the franchise that he started, that started it all, it seems like a pretty damn big deal. Like Devolver and Lucasfilm Games. I mean, obviously Lucasfilm is involved because they own the IP. Uh. But, like, you know, it's the dude. In fact, Dave Grossman is also working on it. So it's the dudes mm-hmm. uh, who did it originally. And, you know, the rights holders and Devolver, which has a pretty sterling track record these days, like, seems like kind of a dream project for a lot of people who love Monkey Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I don't have a love for Monkey Island. Like I said, I like they're The first two Monkey Islands are extremely goofy. Like, yes. They are. By design. I mean, yeah. They, yeah. The, oh, yeah. They are silly. It's the they are silly, silly games. Like we've talked about it. Like it's the pulley and chicken game, right? Like that's where that yeah. came from, isn't it? Yes. They're, ask me about Loom. The uh, they redid those. Uh, they redid one. Did they redo two? Remember for Xbox Live Arcade when they put like the um, they yeah, put they, voice yeah, work yeah, into they it. Did remakes for those. Yeah. Um, and I think I want to say Ron Gilbert. Uh, um worked on or was advising on the, the telltale one 
Is that Tales of Monkey Island? The, the kind of last one that that's came possible. out. I think he may have advised on it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I that, think th- that may be the case. Um, I didn't, I did not hate those other ones. Uh, but you know, as m- maybe this will turn out not to be true, but as is being reported that this would take, take place after two is interesting. Like it's an interesting spinoff. I think it must be real because people are reporting that it's bringing in other characters from the other ones. But again, maybe that I have not seen the direct quote from that. And some of that stuff is also referenced in that 2013. That's the thing. That's the thing we can kind of bury the lead on here a little bit as I, yeah, I dug up this, I dug up this. First of all, this whole thing has convinced me that I need to be reading Ron Gilbert's blog <laughs> because there's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, but more to the point, here's this post from 2013. If I made another monkey Island point yeah. 12, which again, that's why I was trying to figure out if this is confirmed or not, because I couldn't find it in the announcement about this new game. But here in 2013 point 12 on this blog, it would be called monkey Island three. A all yeah. the games after monkey Island two don't exist in my monkey Island universe. Yeah. My apologies to the all talented people who worked on them and the people who love them. But I'd want to pick up where I left off free of baggage in a carnival. That doesn't mean I won't steal some good ideas or characters from other games. I'm not above that. Um, but he did, he did go back and amend the top of this post, like in the last two or three days saying like, Hey, I get people are going back and reading this post, but don't take any of this as sacred anymore. Yeah. Some of, some of my views here have changed. So others have not, but nothing, nothing here is gospel anymore. So, so yeah, I, Maybe that's, maybe that's like, again, I haven't seen the direct quote, quote that some outlets are, are news sometimes as a way of propagating, uh, out without a direct source. But, uh, a couple of the places I read said it would still hold to that monkey Island three and not be four or five, not be seven. I think is what we're up to at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. I like, a, I like a point and click adventure game. I will, I will take it. I've heard this about you. Yeah, Monkey Island, the series, I think, is a lot of fun. I was kind of more in the full throttle kind of Tim Schafer, uh, Day of the Tentacle world, like, was a little bit more my style. But those games, like, Loom and Monkey Island are classics for a reason. You know, that, those things. Yeah. Also, those are coming out this year. Here, says here is you. a game being announced for release in this calendar year. So there you go. Hot says, damn. says you. We were due for one of those. Original voice of uh, Guybrush and everything. Damn. And by original voice, that's like Monkey Island 3 before. The, the original did not have any voice acting. Oh, well, yes. The, I well, think the first game did not. CD yeah. versions, were there not? They, I don't think they, it had voice Did they never acting. get around to putting voice in those? They, well, they did in, in, the, in the, remakes, the special in the edition. Oh, okay. And then I they, thought... I thought they, okay, I thought those games had CD releases back in the day. Uh and then they brought in the um and then they brought in the voice actors for the remake. Right. Okay. Uh, a couple of the voice I actors. I guess they were maybe a little early for that. Um is my understanding. Like again, I'm no Monkey Island expert. Um I'm much more of a death spank. Well I am. Uh, I'm just, <laughs> mm. yeah. Because I just typed Monkey Island into Bing. Oh boy. And ended up Did on you- the Homosasa, Florida page about the real Monkey Island. What? Which sits in the middle of the Homosassa River. Off of there, you gotta. Uh, and is ha- inhabited year round by a small family of monkeys. Apparently, hmm. Hmm. let's go to Florida and visit Monkey Island. Monkey Island is also the name of our Animal Crossing island. Is it? Yes. Oh, that's great. Also, did you? 
Did you just invoke Death Spank in the year of our Lord 2022? Somebody has to say it. We no, can't they just, don't. We can't just forget about Death Spank. Literally no one has to say Death Spank ever again. I have nothing but respect for Ron Gilbert as a designer and a game industry luminary. Uh huh. Death Spank need not be spoken into the collective consciousness ever again. We have to remember our past and our, no, our history. No, there are certain things that I think we can just let go of. I like Ron Gilbert. I think he's a really fun designer, but he is a goofball. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm a goofball too, so I, I respect it. But um, there's some goofy stuff. And I listen. I back uh, Thimbleweed Park uh, as well. Like, put an adventure game in front of me, and I'm all I'm all on board. But uh, shrug. We'll see what happens with Monkey Island. I'm looking forward to it. You know, most we shall see. Maybe it's time to go back and revisit the Monkey Island in its entirety. Also, check out Ron Gilbert's blog. I also check out GrumpyGamer.com. <laughs> it's been of, going for a very long time. There's a lot yeah. of yeah. Yes, he's t- <laughs> he's tweeting a lot about he's tweeting about like assembly language on the Commodore and weird stuff like that. Anyway, does it surprise you that this didn't come through Microsoft um, and 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 kind of double fine and kind of percolate up through there no, to get like I don't think no? I don't think Tip okay. ever had much to do with those games, did he? I don't think so. Uh, he worked with Ron Gilbert on he was something he well he worked on maniac mansion and especially obviously day of the tentacle i think he was yeah, like a writer some, I, on day of i mean on maniac mansion uh, but wasn't ron and, like, didn't dave Harsman work on i mean i think like i my my history of lucas arts adventure games is not great but i think it's I oh think, I, I, I like i'm but i'm not talking about it in the past like there a lot of, in the near near history that did, did ron gilbert not work yeah on he worked something? at double fine he made the cave at double fine like he was oh the a, cave was that's fine what it was okay but, I mean, yes, that's, yes. Been, that's been 10 years ago now okay um yeah i just i don't know I, that to me felt like a better fit you know like come up through that era with the lucas art stuff and you know and tim schaefer and ron gilbert yeah he's, they're producing yeah, he's, he's been out on his own pretty much since he left double fine i think yeah, I think, I think they, that's they true. made Thimbleweed Park independently, and now they've got that was kickstarted, right? Yes, mm-hmm. and now this is this is under like Ron Gilbert's ter- terrible toy box is the name of that's a good name. The company actually. that this is under, so I guess that's a very good name. I guess he's got another company or studio or whatever you want to call it. Death Bank. Death. No. Mm-hmm. No. Sure. No. Say the name. No, no I will not. Monkey Island. Okay, right. that'll say. Chances Monkey Island comes out this year. Well, uh, saying it. I bet it. I bet it actually they, does happen. They have said 2022 on this announcement, so there's literally no reason for him to get out there and say that unless he believes it's going to happen. Yeah, seventy percent chance. I'm I saying eighty. Say. I would. Okay. I would be surprised if it didn't. Uh, this wasn't on the news thing. I do want to just briefly mention. Uh, there's a Hypnospace Outlaw sequel coming. Huh. Oh, that's fun. All right. Sure. Yeah. Is it Jay Thorne got it? out there and was talking about it. It is uh, a new game set in that universe. Did they say like when it when it's coming out? Uh I'm not sure if they have a date yet, but the uh the name of it is Dream Settler, and I believe it is you play a detective in this one. Huh. Okay. Interesting. But it is still very much built around kind of the the fake internet that uh, Hypnospace was based around. Well, since you're talking sequels, I almost put this in the news and didn't, but they announced, Heart Machine announced a sequel to Hyper Light Drifter. 
I did see oh, that. Wow. Yes. Called Hyperlight Breaker, which is full 3D. Like that seems awfully fast because Solar Ash just came out in like December. I bet they were working mm. on that on the back end while they were getting Solar Ash together. Yeah, that's fair. But uh, anyway, yes, it's like full 3D and co-op as opposed to the top down of Hyperlight Drifter. So, huh? Not coming out this year. That's for next year. <laughs> Look for it at E3. Oh. Oh. Womp, womp. No, this stuff will be announced somewhere. You'll see yeah. videos of it somewhere. There will be a uh, video presentation. All right, let's wrap this one up. Uh, folks, that's going to do it for the news section. Looking forward to hearing more about Monkey Island. And if anybody has seen any recent quotes, I would actually really like to know about where this game is officially taking place and not just this, a place reporting on it. I would send it to me. I want to know if this is actually officially going to be a Monkey Island 3 or Monkey Island 6 or 7. Um, so, yeah, it's a Monkey you, Island. That's enough. <laughs> is it enough? Sure, I think enough. it is. Sure, it's enough. Uh, in the game section, we talked about Norco, Inscription, Casey's Mod, Moss Book 2, Lost Judgment, The Kaito Files, Kirby in the Forgotten Land, Weird West, and a little bit of Tunic there. Uh, and then, of course, we had the news, and it's all made possible by listeners like you. If you want to go support us, you can go over to patreon.com slash nextlander. Find a tier over there that is right for you. Sign up, and you make all of this possible. Can't do it without you. It's true. Really can't. It is true. It's true. Can confirm. It is true. One of the tiers over there on the Patreon, the Mysterious Benefactor tiers, even gets their name read on this show. So if you would like that as an additional perk, in addition to helping make all of this possible, in addition to that, to have your name read on this year's show, um, you can go sign up there again, patreon.com slash nextlander. Alex Navarro, do you want yes. rele- <laughs> to read our mysterious benefactors for this week? Sure thing. I think I can do that. Just for Thank you. Thank you. Oh, just no. Not just for me, for everybody. No, just for you. Okay, great. This week's mysterious benefactors include Lurganus, Vinny's Giant Booga Boogas, Nelson LeBlanc, James Smith, Skywarp, John Hubbard, Sean Miller, Nick Donegan, Evan Cook, Mark Wilhelm, JM, Jerry Lee, Gary Pejsky, Conrad Kuzman, Robert Fisher, John McInnes, Bunny Thorpe Octocrimes, Peter Reardon, Thomas Lynn, Jad Rita, Statics, Andrew Jackson, Bacon Monk, Anders Booga, Devin Maestro Hall, Brian Murphy, Kevin Velado, Randy Duax, Mark Allenbach, Aaron Gonzalez Beer, Andrew Teepkin, It Me JP, Edward Cheek, Andrew Slosky, Steve Lynn, Richard Welsh, aka Hired Noobs, Matthew Herrig, David Campos, and Tyler Treese. And again, thanks to all our patrons and thanks to our mysterious benefactors out there. And thanks for listening out there. You also contribute to our overall health, well-being, and sustainability of Nextlander. So we do appreciate it. Coming up this week, you won't want to miss our ranking of Nintendo Power covers or Nintendo Power rankings or Nintendo Power covers. 
rankings. That's right. Um, I think Nintendo Power Rankings is still the cleanest way to say it. Sure, it surely is. Surely is. Even though it might not be 100% accurate, but if you're listening to Next Lander, you don't care about that. That's our choice. <laughs> it's our choices. That's what matters. That's right. Uh, we are going to look at some Nintendo Power covers, probably skewing more towards the NES, SNES, and dipping into the N64 yeah, days when, a little back bit. when the covers were good. Back when they That's meant right. something, man. Yeah, we're going to choose our favorites, and we're going to put them into probably a big old Google Doc with images. It's going to be a lot of fun. Some of those covers are fantastic. A lot of nostalgia in there, and a lot of really, speaking of goofy, a lot of really goofy covers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anytime I get to deploy my arsenal of NES and Super NES soundtracks, I get excited. Yeah. That's right. That's right. I'm looking forward to a, a finely curated uh, a soundtrack in the uh, Nintendo era of soundtrack. So you can tune into that on Friday. That's going to happen at 1 p.m. Eastern. Of course, we're going to have Alex Quest also happening on Thursday. You can tune in for that. I believe that's scheduled at 3 p.m. Eastern. Got a ramble cast up and on Monday, if you missed it, uh, Brad and I played some Weird West and Moss Book 2. You can check that out as well. Full week, full of releases. And we're here. Scoop them all up. Yum, yum, yum. And then look at Nintendo Power. Wait, don't put the games in your mouth. I thought we... I'm not here to tell you what to do. The whole Switch cartridge thing. I thought we... <laughs> they, they, they put weird stuff on there now. Listen. It's a weird West. Do whatever you want. Kick the kick the chemical barrel into the cart and then put it in your mouth. Don't yeah, do that. It's probably poison. Games in your mouth, feet in VR headsets. This is just... Ew! Alright, I'm getting out of here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Of course, we'll be back next week. See everybody, be good. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Vin. Bye.